Hello everybody, I am Joe. Welcome to episode one of Wizards and Wisdom, a podcast where we talk about wizards and wisdom. Wizards being a very loose term for the people we'll discuss today. I'm joined by my friend. My name is Bud, and uh, I'll be here talking with Joe about wizards and wisdom. And I, I think in both cases, the word can be very loosely apply. Uh, wizards could be anything from a smart person, real or make-believe, up to an actual user of the arcane arts. Uh, arcane. And wisdom is something that philosophers have discussed and debated for centuries, and whether we possess any of it can be another additional debate, but here we are nonetheless. <laughs> this is very true. Um, so today, um, I kind of picked the topics of discussion. Uh, Ikora Ray. The Warlock from the video the video game series Destiny. Uh, Radagast, the Maiar from the Tolkien universe, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Silmarillion. Uh, Galileo, historical philosopher and just all-around smart dude. Uh, Harry Dresden and Doctor Strange will fit into our subject matter of who would win in a wizard duel. And uh, one very close to Bud's heart. Yes. Uh, Arcanus the Omnipotent. Yes. <laughs> it's quite a name. You know, it's, it's very boastful. I wonder if he gave it to himself. I, I, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I, I'm 100% sure that Arcanus called himself the Omnipotent. Because that isn't just something that is bestowed upon you unless you truly are. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. But, yeah, I. it's definitely not a name that – and we'll get into this. And I, I don't mean to, like, jump the gun here, but um, – Arcanus is near and dear to my heart as a longtime magic player, longtime blue mage, for those of you out there who might play magic. And Arcanus was actually the very first uh, commander or general that I had for my very first uh, EDH deck, or commander deck, as the kids call it these days. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about him, too. So, in not that we'll have any particular order, but I figured we would start with where I started, Ikora. Hmm. Um she is what is called a warlock as a class in the game Destiny. She's the classes were hunter, titan, and warlock. So hunters are super sneaky. Mm -hmm. Titans are if I can't figure it out, I'll punch it. Right. And warlocks are like, hey, instead of punching it, why don't we try and figure out how to get through there? And she's one of the smartest, if not the smartest, warlocks to exist in the Destiny universe. Okay, so I have no knowledge of this. <laughs> so let me put it in terms I might understand. So I've played Dungeons and Dragons. So basically, we're talking about uh, like magic user, yeah, you know, fighter and rogue yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. Roughly, loosely, kind of. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Go <laughs> so, Ikora, Ikora being a warlock, the warlocks have three subclasses where basically how they choose to harness the light, which is their source of magic. You have a Voidwalker, Stormcaller, and I believe it's Sunsinger. Basically, you use Void magic, or it's basically purple magic because it's supposed to be black holes, but sometimes they explode, and exploding black holes don't seem like black holes. They seem to implode, but uh, Sunsingers, Fire. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. They get wings, throw swords. It's very, very angel-esque. Very divine. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Stormcaller, which 
is just blatantly a Star Wars Sith Lord ripoff. You call lightning and then you just shoot it out of your hands at people while you're playing the game. Nice. Yeah. Even your melee is just lightning bolt. <laughs> so what's special about Miss Ray? Miss Ray, she, uh, not only being one of the smartest people to exist, air quotes, because obviously it doesn't get too in-depth in the world, but she's also probably the meanest. Uh, in the world of Destiny, we have uh, they call the Crucible, mm-hmm. which is basically a gladiator-esque type thing for the Guardians, which is the people who can harness the light to fight each other and hone their skills. And she's... From everything I could find, pretty much undefeated in the Crucible. She has a, her favorite shotgun, they call the Invective, which, if memory serves me correctly, is a fully automatic shotgun that she just unloads. Like, like every wizard should have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. she, if my uh, black hole magic won't get you, my shotgun will. Mm. I should uh, get some altered art for Arcanist. I'm going to have, have like a big double barrel shotgun. Yes. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Draw three cards and destroy target creature. I'd be alright. Would not be bad. I'm not sure he could say just blue, though. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but although, I mean, historically, blue can do just about anything. So this is true. I would allow it. But I'm biased. <laughs> now, Ikora is a disciple or student she would call herself a student, he would say disciple, of the warlock Osiris, who he, if you can claim his humanity anymore, he would be the smartest being. Mm-hmm. Um, he integrated with a species of alien known as the Vex, which are a hive mind species that run a simulation of every possible future. And his mind has been integrated into that hive mind. Mm-hmm. So he for all intents and purposes, is omniscient. He knows every possible outcome of everything. Kind of. His his mind is fragmented among those, and in order to know it all, he would have to bring himself back, which he... So he has all the knowledge. He has all... But he doesn't have all the brain in one spot. Yeah, okay. So, we can so get like into discussions of the nature of omniscience yeah. and omnipotence. Yeah. <laughs> but she has she was actually the person to exile him because the other guardians didn't like the idea that he was integrating his own mind with a hostile alien species. Hmm. So she was like, you know, you're my teacher, but that's a no-go, dog. Hmm. Do you have any other questions about her? No, that seems like a pretty good overview of, of her. I, I really dig the shotgun aspect. Yeah. That was a surprise. Um, <laughs> she is she's a scary lady. Yeah. Like there's a couple cutscenes where you're like, she might be smart, but she won't hesitate to be like, ah, Titans aren't the only ones who can just punch things in the face. Like I can yeah. do it too. I just choose to be smart. Right. <laughs> well, that, that and that's interesting to me and. Again, I don't want to bring up Arcanus again, but <laughs> but I like to. Um, <laughs> one thing that I find interesting about Arcanus is that dichotomy between the the arcane side of him and what might just be more like that roughneck street fighter side Ooh. of him. Um, so yeah, so you know, having this warlock 
with a shot like a what like an automatic shotgun. Yeah, it's a fully yeah. automatic shotgun. Like that uh that reminds me of that kind of yeah that kind of dichotomy. So I, that that fascinates me honestly. So yeah. Now, going almost the polar opposite of that would be our next subject of Radagast. Okay, I have seen the Hobbit movies. And that's the extent of my knowledge of Radagast. <laughs> so, well, I I have not read the entire Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. I started it. Um, it's if if anyone has read the Bible, it reads kind of like that. Hmm. It basically starts from the creation of Middle Earth okay. up to the point where the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings begin. Okay. So it's a complete like down to like the last like tree branch that was created by. Oh sure. Well, I know that if <laughs> Tolkien was very much a writer of details. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I read a long time ago. I read. Uh, I have read The Hobbit a okay. long time ago, and I read Lord of the Rings, but it was so long ago that I honestly couldn't tell you what part of the movie or the three movies of The Hobbit yeah. came from the books. Aside from like the obvious, you know, yeah. Gollum and the ring and Bilbo <laughs> and the wizard, you know, like, um, but I have read, uh, I have read them all again, long time ago. And just the, the detail that went into just describing the scenery or describing yeah. the moment just was sometimes hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it, it, I want to be, I want to be the, you know, <laughs> the intellectual type and be like, you know, yes, yes. Lord of the Rings, classic literature <laughs> from J.R.R. Tolkien. And, yeah. But to me, it's like the words are blur as I was yeah. reading them. You get a little cross-eyed as yeah. you're like, now granted uh, I was, I was, I don't know, in my teens when I read it. So that might be part of it, <laughs> but I don't think I've gotten any smarter since then. <laughs> At least brain, you know, brain yeah. power wise. So I probably would have a hard time reading it today as well. So yeah, reading this Silmarillion is hard. I generally only read the parts that I was curious about, which would be where Gandalf, Radagast, Sauron, mm-hmm. where these beings came from. Right. Which is basically, if you had to give them a hierarchy, there was, and now the name's going to slip my mind, even though I know I looked at it two days ago. Mm-hmm. We'll just call it God Little G. And uh, Little G. Is <laughs> uh, he dropping his mixtape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and basically sang into existence all of creation. Okay. Where Gandalf, Radagast, Sauron, and there were two others, I believe, mm-hmm. came in. They would be like your archangels. Mm-hmm. That's where they would fall in, except... If you think of like Michael, and then why can't I think of anyone else? Gabriel, mm-hmm. like these angels with names. Right. Well, in the Bible, <laughs> there were only two. I mean, I guess three if you count Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, but specifically, uh, in, explicitly named, you had Gabriel who visited Mary, yeah. and you had Michael who, you know, was kind of like the if, bouncer. <laughs> if. If, if, if I had to give, you know, Judeo-Christian, like, pairings, sure. it would be Radagast would be your Gabriel, mm-hmm. uh, Gandalf would be your Michael, and Sauron would be your Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, and I, I, I'm speculating here, but I know between, you know, connection that Tolkien had with Christianity, uh, his friendship with C.S. Lewis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've, I've, read, I've read much more Lewis than I have Tolkien in terms of the amount of time spent reading it. And I know that Tolkien was not necessarily a fan of 
uh, allegory, mm-hmm. you know, like that that one for one, yeah. me, you know, metaphor. You know, Aslan the lion is a yeah. metaphor, or you know, a an analogy of Christ. Uh, Tolkien wasn't necessarily all for that in his writing, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes it's there, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you see the influences of his own particular theology in his I writings. Would, I would say that. I am inferring that information. It wasn't necessarily implied. Right. Um, and I I end up giving Radagast the lower shtick of being Gabriel because he he wasn't there to do much. His job <coughs> excuse me, was to uh, watch over the plants and animals of the earth. Right. And Sauron ends up tricking him into betraying Gandalf and getting him to... Right. So, yeah, like, Radagast was doing Saruman's bidding unbeknown, unbeknownst yeah. to him. Yeah, he, he had no idea. Right. I would I would classify him as, like, a silly druid. Like, he's... <laughs> silly he's, druid. He's like, I just want to be with my plants and my birds. Like, he loves birds. Like, right. Gandalf is only friends with the eagles... Right. Because of Radagast. Like, Radagast is like, hey, this guy's cool. Right. And eagles are like, if Radagast says you're cool, right, he vouches for you. Yeah. So, here. Here. We'll save the day again. Yeah. Not that we couldn't have just flown the ring into Mordor, but now we'll get them a, out. That's a different, <laughs> that's a different subject, okay? That's, like, the ring rates, they could fly too, yeah. right? So, just because the eagles could fly, you know, then you've got all of... Uh, Mordor's forces aiming to the sky. So let's, that's a different. You know, don't get me started we'll, on that. We'll, we'll tackle that a different day. Right. I am no Lord of the Rings fanatic, but I've watched the movies. I love the movies, and so just as a kind of movie fan of uh, Peter Jackson's films, yeah. more than a fan of the literature, because like I said, it's it was a long time ago that I read it and I trudged through it and maybe skipped some parts. Um, I'm a big fan of the movies, just just love the aesthetic of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, you know, a lot of the fan theories and complaints about the movies, I've done a lot of searching and researching <laughs> on the internet about that. And the Eagles one was one that comes up a lot. Yeah. I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, there's... It, it, it wouldn't work the way you think it would work. <laughs> right, you know. It's not exactly that easy, right? Yeah. But, but anyway. Oh, no, no. Again, different topic, different yeah. podcast. <laughs> We'll save that for a later date. Maybe when we're talking about Gandalf. Yeah, wizards <laughs> and wisdom and giant birds. Yeah. Special episode. Well, you can't really talk about Radagast without the birds, because that's his favorite. Sure. Um, well, in the movie, in the Hobbit movie, he was covered in bird doo-doo. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's canon canon in the books or anything. I don't know. <clears throat> not um, that not that I found any research for him. It, here's, here's my... Here was my frustration looking at Radagast and why I think I'd get frustrated looking at Gandalf or... Sauron. They don't really have powers per se. Like they don't have a arsenal of spells that they really enjoy. Right. It's more like I don't know. They can use magic, but it's circumstantial. Like uh, yeah, and that makes sense. I've always seen Gandalf, especially, as having kind of a Batman's utility belt yeah. version of magic. Like they're in a dark corridor. He lights a staff yeah. up giant demon that you know he's like you shall not pass 
You know, yeah. it's not like you looked up, you know, page five, yeah. you know, demon binding, you know, yeah. light, hall lighting or anything like that. You know, talk to a small creature to summon the eagle when you're <laughs> yeah. stuck on top of a tower. Like, that's page 12 of the wizard yeah. handbook. Like, that's, but it, which is kind of cool. And it, it actually reminds me, talking about the, those wizards in general, um, you know, Radagast is more, I guess, thematic in sense that like he's the, you know, he's the, the nature guy, right? Yeah. Where Gandalf is just... The, the old guy, right? Yeah. You know, he's just the gray. Yeah. Um, and he likes smoking with hobbits and, you know. Nothing wrong with smoking with hobbits. You know, I would. If, you know, if there were some hobbits and, you know, some fine leaf. Then leaf, for, yeah. you know. <laughs> Long bottom leaf. Long, that's yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's the good stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the, the dank, shire stuff yeah. that you really want to get. But um, lose my train of thought. <laughs> it's like I've already been on the leaf. Yeah. Um, but no, like, but it reminds me of a. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the company White Wolf. They made a series of role-playing games. I think uh, I have a Vampire the Masquerade. Vampire and Werewolf, and one of their original titles was Wraith, which actually uh, friends of mine and I played in in college, and where you're like you're a wraith, you know, like okay, and all that kind of stuff. And then the one that I never played it. Well, actually, I take it back. I played it once. Uh, but it was Mage, the Ascension. Okay. And the per- the thing about Mage is that magic was you could do anything, but there was a distinction made between you know like subtle magic and what they called vulgar magic. Like okay. if it was obviously magic, then reality itself would strike back. Right? Okay. So like let's say you and I are fighting and I throw a fireball at your face. Well, humans can't do that. Right. Yeah. At least in the general perception of the public. And so this creates what they called paradox. And paradox was basically the, the community's lack of acceptance of the thing that was happening in front of them. Right. Like they just couldn't reconcile that with their own accepted paradigms of reality. OK. Yeah. Definitely. And so this communal belief system or lack of belief or this, you know, this like it created this paradox yeah. that would. In, in extreme circumstances, actually kill the mage or do something. Yeah. You know, it's like if you mess with reality, reality is going to mess with you back. You yeah. know, it's like very direct karma in a sense on a magical okay. level. So when you are playing as a mage, then everything has to seem coincidental, accidental, just happenstance. Cool. Like, oh my goodness, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one incident was we were in a warehouse. This is during the one game of mage that I played. And I was this mage, some dude, right? And we were in this warehouse and we were being chased by these assassins or something. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But it just so happened, quote unquote, that one of the wooden boards in the floor happened to be loose. So that when the assassins ran after us, they just so happened by pure chance. Who could have have been so lucky? To hit that board and collapse through the floor to the bottom level. Oh, yes. So that's the, you know, so then the master mages then are ones who are manipulating reality on a grand scale, but nobody realizes that that's what they're doing. And so on a smaller scale, it's just coincidence. And But it reminds me a little bit where it's the vulgar magic doesn't, isn't relevant to Gandalf. Yeah. He's, or Radagast, he's lighting the end of his staff yeah. or summoning birds or, you know, yeah. whatever he's doing. Um, but the same principle of magic in that game was pretty much whatever you need, you can do. Yeah. Like your only limit is your imagination and how much you can cover it up. 
Yeah. So for me, Gandalf's magic or the magic of Middle Earth in that respect is very much whatever you can think of. Yeah. Uh, whatever your imagination warrants, uh, maybe there's limits in terms of power. Yeah. It's not like Gandalf can be like, the earth will explode. Yeah. Like maybe he doesn't do that. Uh, not that he'd want to, but you know. Uh, but essentially it's that utility kind of, it's the Adam West Batman utility yeah. belt, right? Like right. shark repellent, you know, yeah. you know, Heliarmus, shark, <laughs> um, which I think is cool. And I think is a really fun way, especially when you're role playing to play. And speaking of role playing again, we did a several years later, cause again, we did all this in college and I was in college in the early to mid nineties. Uh, cause I'm old. <laughs> and so several years later with a different group entirely, uh, we played a Harry Potter role-playing campaign Okay. where we were like 12 years, 12 year old. And we were at Hogwarts and, or we were at a, like a Hogwarts esque. Yeah. Like it wasn't like literally Harry Potter world. Yeah. It was a, you know, crafted world. adjacent. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't Hogwarts. It was like, you know, pig boils yeah. or whatever. Right. And so, <laughs> um, so we had different houses with different things and we had different abilities, but our magic was basically, you know, to within reason, what can you do? Like, what can you think to do? And we could memorize specific spells that would have more, more power because we invested yeah. specific time into that specific effect. But then we also had the ability to just kind of do whatever. So yeah. it was very, it was a very fun campaign and it's not one that I recommend for less, less, Less experienced or less mature gaming yeah. people, you know, especially your power gamer who wants yeah. to just win role playing yeah. games. Like, I want to be the, the most powerful, but I'm going to blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cause his heart to explode. Like, that's not what this game is going to You know, yeah. I'll make his eyes turn twice inside. And you're like, oh, no, that's not, you know, but I've. Interesting, I've, but gross. It, well, yeah. It's, it, don't get me wrong. It's, it's cool and yeah. ideal, but. It, the power gamer sometimes has yeah. a negative effect on role-playing games, but yeah. that's, a, again, different subject, different story. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, get, we'll come back We'll yeah. come back there eventually. <laughs> Going, the, Taking this long tangent back to Gandalf and, and Radagast. Radagast, which maybe we should have just talked about Gandalf, but, whatever, <laughs> but Radagast, um, which is interesting for me because I don't know as much about Radagast as I do right. Gandalf, and honestly, I only know Gandalf from the movies. Um, but their magic seems very much in that... Yeah. Take the vulgar magic aspect of mage out where they don't they don't have to hide it. Like everyone yeah. knows they're a wizard. Yeah. Right? So I'm gonna walk up, light these fireworks off. Yeah, like the fireworks do cool things yeah. and like they just they can read different languages and, and so all these things that are just kind of convenience, you know, almost Deus ex machina kind of yeah. like yeah, well I've got a you know anti giant <laughs> spider spell. Yeah. You know, okay, that's cool. But no, I, I like it. I, it's convenient, <laughs> yes. And it has to be done right, but I do enjoy that. Yeah, you're right, because then it's it makes the character more mysterious to it, me. It, I think I think Radagast or even Gandalf were done well in that regards because yes, they could be a get help me outright myself from this corner I've written myself in. Right. But also within the realm of their possibilities. Right. Um, and I think as far as the story of Lord of the Rings goes, those characters were used in terms of their magic. Was used well enough. Yeah. You never thought that Gandalf was invincible. Yeah. But he had enough mystery about him that, and sometimes he'd pull off these tricks, you know, like when he's facing the Balrog, yeah. you shall not pass. Like, you're like, whoa, he's 
Yeah. He's pretty awesome right there, you know. <laughs> but for him, all he was doing was, you know, lighting the tip of yeah, the Yeah, and it could all be just yeah. smoke and mirrors, yeah. right? But at the same time, you're like, there's a mystery element. Yeah. It, it which, could be or it couldn't be. I wouldn't fight him. <laughs> yeah, that, well, and that's exactly yeah. my point. Which, once we get to my boy Arcanus, <laughs> that's going to be a point that I want to make. So... But I won't say any more. I'll have already told everything I can say about Arcanus <laughs> before we ever get to him. So anyway. <laughs> so I guess to finish off with Radagast, it would be I I found no hint that his abilities would actually be druid-like. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling like if his type of magic would be like he'd be very close to like the treants from Lord of the Rings. Like that would be his like that'd be his, his group. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, you guys are having a hard time. Drought, uh, water, because I could just do that. Right. And be like, that's convenient. Be like, yeah, that's why I was sent here was to take care of nature, plants, and animals. Right. Oh, there hasn't been any fruit growing in this tree for the squirrels? Boom, fruit in the tree. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as where people were concerned, he – I wouldn't say that he was indifferent. He just didn't understand humanity, for lack of a better word. like. He didn't want everyone to die, which is why, in the end, he wanted to go against Saruman. But ended up getting tricked in. Well, a lot of a lot of these nature-based characters, not just in any one story, but yeah. going through several different stories, they sometimes they have an indifference toward humanity. But I think it's more of a reservation about humanity. Because they respect life, mm-hmm. these yeah. you know guardians of the green, right, yeah. you know, swamp thing, yeah. you know. But they also understand that a lot of what hurts nature has been humanity. Like, yeah. that, like we've been, you know, we've been as much the enemy of Earth or Middle Earth or yeah. whatever Earth as anybody has. Yeah, <clears throat> and. What's what's interesting to me is uh, there's a scene in the movie uh, Lord of the Rings where they're in the forest, you know, and they, you know, um, the elf uh, Legolas is like, you know, this forest is old, and this reminds me of one of my favorite memes on the internet. Like, this forest is old. The next frame, very old. Then the final frame, old as balls. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like they're in that forest, and there's like murmuring or you know, like this. The you know, unsettling noises, and then yeah. you know, Aragorn is like, you know, Gimli, lower your axe. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're surrounded by trees and you're carrying an axe. But that I think represents a little bit of that conflict yeah. that Guardians of the Green, so to speak, yeah. would have against peoples. Yeah. You know, not not just dwarves, less elves. <laughs> they're, right. not, they're not they're not worried about Legolas the Wood Elf. They're worried right. about the dwarf who's going to chop them down, use them to. Oh sure, <laughs> like you know, dwarves have. <laughs> Historically speaking, and many storylines have been more industrious than yeah. elves. Uh, they'd be the ones that chop the trees yeah. down and build the equipment and the huts and the houses and yeah. you know the shelters and dig underground and you know the elves just talk to the tree and the tree will form a house around them. Yeah, elves things. would be more of the guardians of the green <laughs> yeah. than dwarves. Usually, definitely more than humanity. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I think after Radagast, this is going to be the guy I think you'll know more about. We're going to talk about Galileo, our real-life wizard. The guy who, I don't know if he had mystical powers, but he was a really smart dude, and I'd call him a wizard. Well, you know what's, what's funny about using Galileo in the, in the very, very broad term of wizard? 
is that I, I go back to the Marvel movies, like the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly the Thor movies and, and the movies that relate to Thor. Because uh, Thor, you know, and, and Marvel comics have ripped off of mythologies. Yeah. They do it all the time. Yeah. You know, like Hercules, he's a part of the Avengers. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, you know, like you couldn't make up a new character. You had to borrow one that was a couple thousand years old. Like, you know, but he's really strong. Like, oh, originality. And then, like, they borrowed Thor and Odin and Loki, all the Norse mythology yeah. gods, and, and Asgard, and they turned it into, they marvelized Norse mythology. And, and in the Marvel, and, and I don't, I, I never read Thor, the comic book, yeah. as I was growing up. I was more Spider-Man, Batman, that kind of thing. Um, but in the movies, they give this idea that what we would see as magic is just science at a level that we haven't yet understood. Yeah. Right? And I don't know if they're still going with that because then you get into like Doctor Strange. and um, But at least with Thor that's kind of what they wanted you to think that yeah. that the Asgardians were just way more advanced than what yeah. seems like magic to us. It's just a higher form of science. Yeah. So that's interesting to me because as you think about Galileo, and I don't know if you wanted to add anything to the Thor. Discussion. Uh, it was, it was basically just that that was kind of my inspiration for doing this is right. wizards exist in fiction, but what about the wizards that exist in real life? What I would exceptional people, right? And I picked Galileo because that actual line, you know, I come from a place where they're one and the same, right? Speaking of science and magic, so sure. that's what I was just going to add there. Is it was basically the inspiration for this podcast. Oh, sure, that makes sense. And that this <laughs> reminds me of the Star Trek Next Generation movies. Uh, I think particularly First Contact. Uh, when one of the 21st century people is aboard the Enterprise because they go back in time, the Borg fighting all kinds of And so she's on this, you know, and uh, I might be getting my memory wrong, but she's fascinated by the technology. And there's another, there's another, it might have been an episode of Next Generation. I, if I'd have known I was be talking about this, I'd have looked it up. But where the doors open automatically. And then people who are more primitive, who are on the Enterprise, are like, even the doors obey his commands. Like, now it's just technology. <laughs> so technology sometimes is seen as mysticism until it's understood. Yeah. Um, or mysticism is often debunked uh, when science replaces it with yeah. an actual answer. So you have kind of both sides of that coin. Galileo, what's interesting to me about Galileo and people like him, you know, your Isaac Newtons and your Albert Einsteins and, and your Nikola Teslas and, and these great minds is that the things that they have done and things that they did in their lifetime, for me, would almost seem like magic. If I think I'm a smart person, I consider myself an intelligent person and I have my own set of skills, but for, say, Isaac Newton to create calculus on a whim. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to create, like, I don't even know what calculus is for. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, calculus sounds like a Marvel villain who, like, consumes worlds, right? Like, oh, no, it's calculus. Um, so, like, for him to have that ability to just do that, to have that level of understanding, or for Einstein to, to come up with this theory of relativity, it's just like, it blows my mind, yeah. these, these intellectual giants and no, I don't think they have mystic powers, obviously, but they have such a level of, of cognitive ability and such a deep understanding, especially at that time, right? Yeah. It's easy for us to talk about 
you know, the theory of relativity, we have the internet, and before the internet we had libraries, and we had these great minds who did all the work, and so we're just kind of standing on the shoulders of giants, yeah. and the that's why our view of everything is so good. Yeah. But they had a better understanding of things even than I do as I read their works. Yeah. And of course, they all got things wrong. Yeah. You know, Galileo was wrong about <laughs> what he understood about the tides. Um, yeah. But he wasn't, he was definitely not wrong about taking the telescope and pointing it up to the sky and seeing what was there. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing about Galileo, Galileo that, that for me, it's all about the telescope. Right. He didn't invent the telescope. Yeah. It was invented, you know, a few years prior, uh, but he refined it. He improved upon the design. So the telescope is kind of Galileo's magic wand, so yeah. to speak. And so he originally it was designed for warfare. Right. Yeah. And you can imagine, right, that it, one tactical advantage that one group would have over another is that I can see you. You can't see me. Yeah. Not Definitely. only that, but I can see you from a distance and know what you're up to. And you don't even know where I am or how far away I am. Right. It's those tactical advantages that, yeah. you know, you read about in Sun Tzu's Art of War. Yeah. That you know, make their way into certain martial art classes, you know, yeah. when you learn about self-defense and, and concepts on a grander level that get incorporated into, you know, modern military training, you know, yeah. uh, being able to put satellites up in the sky, having, you know, long range, long range scopes that can see you from a great distance away. So originally this was a, a weapon of war. Yeah. Right. And As most things humanity makes are. Well, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but what's, what's interesting about that is oftentimes some of our greatest discoveries were made as a byproduct of another purpose. Yeah. You know, and so, and I've said this uh, for people who are listening who may not know anything about me, which would be all of you, uh, unless you directly know me, I'm a martial arts instructor. And uh, one thing that I say in class is that I, I have a strong belief that there is no such thing as useless knowledge. Now, some may be less useful or have less utility than other knowledge, but I think in the grand scheme of education, in the grand scheme of knowing things, I don't believe that there is anything that's entirely useless knowledge because knowledge is a puzzle piece. And when you combine them with other puzzle pieces, it makes a larger picture. So even if that one particular piece, like let's say I build a, a jigsaw puzzle of a thousand pieces and I lose one piece, so I have 999 pieces to this puzzle, and I put them all together, but I'm missing that one piece. I would still have a pretty darn good understanding of what that picture was, yeah. and I could probably even guess what's missing from that piece that got lost when the dog ate it or fell in the <laughs> drain or something, right? So, but if I have that little piece, it gives me even more information, right? But all the information I have, every all the information I have, those 999 pieces that I have to make this puzzle are all individual little pieces that if you were to swap out any one of those pieces with the piece that was missing, I would pretty much still have the same amount of information, yeah. give or take, you know, millimeters worth of, yeah. of understanding, right? Um, so people in through history have different examples of this. Uh, in fact, the guy who campaigned to uh, take lead out of gasoline, you know, his discoveries were for something entirely different. He's something. He's someone I'd like to. I have to look up his name. I can't remember his name right now, but he's someone I'd like to talk about. Yeah. I'll have to research his name for a future episode. Yeah, definitely. But he was doing something completely over here in left field, yeah. and then it related – that knowledge that he learned related to something even more relevant 
which was the fact that we were being poisoned by our fuel. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're all going to die because we want yeah. to drive to work. Yeah. So here you have Gal Galileo, who is improving the design of the telescope, initially utilized for warfare, but then he decides, I'm going to turn it up to the sky. I'm going to point it to the heavens and see what I see, right? Because up to this point, the only people that, the only thing we could see from the sky was what we could perceive with our naked eye, right? right. So the only thing people could figure out was they look up and they see, right? Yeah. And so up to this point, you had a lot of people, especially the, the Catholic Church at the time, had a more, you know, geocentric model of the universe. Now, yeah. not everybody. It wasn't that, it wasn't that, uh, you know, sometimes our lessons in history become uh, a little oversimplified. Okay. Right? So it wasn't like prior to Galileo, everyone thought that the Earth was the center of the universe. Yeah. But it was a commonly held belief. Yeah. And it was one that was upheld by the Catholic Church, that the Earth is the center of the universe and everything spins around it, right? Which from a, a Christian model makes sense, yeah. right? God makes his his you know most prized creation, man yeah. and woman, you know, in the garden in Eden <coughs> on this little planet and everything around it, yeah. you know, the things here, I'll make everything around it. Right. And so we are literally the center of the universe, right? Yeah. And so so much so that God sent his only son to the center to yeah. do whatever he's supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. Um so it makes sense then, from a certain point of view, as Obi-Wan would say, um, <laughs> why they would accept this model. But prior to Galileo, you had Copernicus, who was the first one to really champion this a heliocentric view of the cosmos. Um, on the other hand, you had the geocentric model, which going back even further, you had Ptolemy, right? Uh, with a silent P. <laughs> um, for planet or something. Yeah. Um, so these are the two models, right? Now, even in those models, you have things that are wrong, right? Yeah. So the question that was asked was, what is the center of the universe? Is it the Earth or is it the Sun? Well, the answer now we know is neither, right? Yeah. And you might find videos on the internets uh, where you see the Sun moving through the cosmos yeah. and the planets kind of spiraling yeah. through the cosmos, but orbiting the Sun as yeah. it's moving rather than the sun being stationary and the planets going around it, or the earth being stationary and everything rolling around the earth. Um, so what you know, Galileo saw with his improved eyesight now yeah. was <clears throat> contrary to the model of Ptolemy, so that geocentric model that was upheld by the church, right? And Galileo, to me, is a classic example of that conflict between science and religion, yeah. between the search for evidence and reason and the prior already set in stone commitment of faith to a certain yeah. set of tenets and, and, yeah. and belief systems, right? And so naturally there was blowback and, and there was persecution. And the last years of Galileo's life, you know, he fought this and, and you know, championed his cause and tried to present his evidence. But in the last last part of his life, he was basically put under house arrest. Yeah. Right? Like now, you're not allowed to talk to anyone. Don't tell people Right. About this. Yeah. He wasn't like, <laughs> he wasn't whipped and beaten and, you know, drawn and quartered like William yeah. Wallace or anything like that. But like he was basically persecuted and imagine that because of, because of your job yeah. and because of the, the things you've discovered, not even what you believe, just the things that you've discovered, right? Yeah. Like 
you look out the window and you see squirrels in your backyard. And then you've got like the high priest who's like, there are no squirrels. <laughs> squirrels do not exist. Those are dogs, small dogs. <laughs> and you're like, no, they're squirrels. And, that's really <laughs> and so because of this observation, you're now forced to stay home. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to tell anyone about the squirrels. Yeah, even if it's a nice place, even if you've got even Galileo could have had cable TV, yeah. he could have had you know Wi-Fi, and you know McDonald's next yeah. door. Like, it still was persecution, right? Yeah. Like he lost his freedom because of his conviction and because of what he observed and what he was because, trying to promote. Because long story short, he was right. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then the you know history is replete with examples yeah. of, of people being right. Who really got it wrong, and you know, like yeah. they they were done a lot of wrong too. Yeah. And in fact, it was 350 years prior to, or after this, not prior after this, that in 1992 that the Catholic Church apologized for the persecution of Galileo. <laughs> like, oh, my yeah, bad, guys. 350 <laughs> years. Finally, the Pope's like, uh, it's my bad, you know. Sorry, <laughs> you know. Who knew? Should not have touched my spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, Galileo is just that example, just and it's pick a pick a moment in time, pick a moment in history, and you're gonna find this conflict, right? Whether it's is the earth flat, is it round, right? Again, another oversimplification. <laughs> you know, like people talk about there's an old Bugs Bunny cartoon with uh, Christopher Columbus, where Bugs Bunny is arguing with the king of Spain about whether the earth is round or flat you know and the, and the bugs bunny is like it's a round like a baseball and the, the king is like it's a flat like a pancake you know <laughs> it's just this old old you know bugs bunny looney tunes cartoon and uh but that, that's an oversimplification it wasn't like everybody back then was like yeah. the earth was flat you know in fact um you know columbus didn't believe that they were looking for you know they were looking for the edge they were looking. Well, they were they were looking for a, a way to get to China, a way to get yeah. to India. They're like, you know, I think India, I believe. Yeah. You, um, which you know, interestingly fast enough, going around Africa. yeah. Interestingly enough, Native Americans traditionally have been referred to by ignorant white people as Indians. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, they're from India. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but um, so yeah, so there's you know, it, it, Galileo represents two things for me. One is the oversimplification of historical narratives, yeah. that things are a little more complex in history and what people believe and when and why than sometimes Bugs Bunny cartoons give credit for or even our history books. And just that ongoing conflict, right? Yeah. Creationism versus evolution, right? And all the debate that goes along with that. And you know, we can add Charles Darwin uh, yeah. To that list of wizards, yeah. right, and uh, we can get into that, and that could be an, that can be an entire <laughs> yeah, podcast on could, its own, yeah. right? And regardless of what side of the fence a person finds himself, uh, that conflict is there, yeah. right? It's it's ongoing. Yeah. And one thing that I notice as I look through history is that usually what happens, and I I graduated from a Bible college. Yeah. I have a I have a degree in theology and philosophy, right? I've studied world religions. I was a minister for a long time. Uh, I'm no longer that. Yeah. But um, I was in the mix, right? Yeah. And I've been on both sides of the creationism debate, of the old versus young earth debate. Yeah. I was never a flat earther. I never was yeah. that. 
was never that. Yeah, nah, you know. I like, would say those roles seem to be reversed from the past. There, there were there were people who believed the Earth was round and sure, but, but the common thought was the world was flat. Now you have the common thought as the world is round, and then mm-hmm. people who don't, you know, think right. <laughs> that the world is flat. Right. But what <laughs> happens is that historically. The religious side has always kind of bowed eventually or kind of given in to the scientific side, yeah. right? And it's, it's, it's come with a fight. It's come with denial. It's come with sometimes persecution. But in the end now, I mean, there's still people who think the earth is flat. But <laughs> generally speaking, people are, you know, and, and I think the reason why is because going back to Galileo, you can't deny what's there. Yeah. Like, we did, he didn't make anything up. He just gave us the ability to see things more clearly. Yeah. Gave us a bigger picture. Added more pieces to that puzzle of knowledge, so we could have a better picture. Was his knowledge complete? Did he have all the pieces? No. But he definitely gave us more pieces. And from that, we've built upon that model. And so we know that the planets, you know, they 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 spin around yeah, the sun. Spin, yeah. You know, uh, we have a better understanding of gravitational pull and the movement of this, the the heavenly spheres. Yeah. Um, and that's in part to what Galileo contributed to, what I refer to as the Great Conversation. Yeah. Uh, which was a a philosophy book that I used in college from one of my philosophy classes. And it's always stayed with me this idea. And I, what I like about this podcast when we delve into real wizards, quote yeah. unquote is that these are people who have given their voice to what they would call the great conversation. Yeah. That throughout history, uh, people have given their opinions and their thoughts and their evidence and their arguments. And, and when we do philosophy, when we do podcasts about people like this, we do history, we do you know theology or science, we are sitting down at this very large table with all these minds of history. Yeah. And we get to interact with them. Yeah. I can talk about Galileo. I can not only talk about him, but I can interact with his ideas. Yeah. I can talk about Immanuel Kant and David Hume and Thomas Aquinas and St. Anselm and Charles Darwin and Joe Curry. You know, <laughs> all these minds. Me? <laughs> you. We all get a seat at the table. Yeah. We all get to put our two cents in and interact with the minds of history in this ongoing conversation. And so it's fascinating to me. And that's just me kind of geeking out on the philosophy side. So, um, which I love philosophy as at least as much as I love Arcanus the Omnipotent. So, <laughs> so, so what would be what would be your personal definition of philosophy? Because for me, it's basically asking a question and searching for answers. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? Philosophy is derived from two Greek words that translate to the love of wisdom, right? Yeah, which is half of the title of this podcast <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> and part of the question is well, what is wisdom what does it mean to have wisdom yeah you know if, if wisdom is derived from knowledge what does it mean to have knowledge and so that takes us until the realm of epistemology which in philosophy is the study of knowledge what is it can we have it do we have it is it attainable how do we know, you know, how do I know that I know, right? These meta questions, right? How do I know? How do you know you know, right? Like if I were omnipotent, like truly, or if I was omniscient, how would I know? Yeah. Like how could I step outside of myself, outside of my perception of myself to see if I truly had omniscience or if there wasn't more pieces of the puzzle that I was missing? That's a philosophical question, right? (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, everyone's a philosopher. Everyone is a philosopher. Yeah. Some people are just bad at it because one, they don't realize that they're doing philosophy, but anytime they ask a question about reality, they're asking a question about 
philosophy, yeah. right? Anytime they're seeking an answer to a question, they're doing philosophy. Yeah. So for me, I say, well, whether we're talking about Radagast the brown yeah. or Galileo the the gray, <laughs> you know, um, we're doing philosophy. Yeah. So why don't we do it well? Yeah. Right? Well, how do we do it well? well? That's another question of philosophy, <laughs> which I will not get to here. We could go around but, and around. <laughs> but it starts, as Socrates helped us to understand, it starts with asking questions. So yeah. your answer, your definition of philosophy is spot on. Yeah. Ask questions, try to find answers. Right. Yeah. You know. That's, that To me, that's what it's always been because I, I – not to divulge, but that was kind of what I figured would happen – with this podcast anyways, we would get on tangents, but no. <laughs> we would, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast where people would be like, oh, well, astrophysics isn't philosophy. I was like, <laughs> right? yes, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's, of course it is. It's, it's specific philosophy. It's well, specialized sure. philosophy. Sure. But that doesn't change its. Sure. What it is. The oversimplification core. of philosophy is that, well, we're studying Plato and we're talking about God and afterlife. And, yeah. and it's, no, it's, it's, it's the study of reality, right? Yeah, it's, it, there's physics and there's metaphysics, yeah. but it's all the, basically the study of what is real. Yeah. So metaphysics is what is real. Epistemology is what can I know about what's real? Yeah. You know, ethics is, is it okay to stab my neighbor? Right? You know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, what is ethical to do with this chicken? You know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, eat it, you yes. know, that was, that was you were thinking about. <laughs> I wasn't thinking know? anything. Yeah. <laughs> but that's ethic, right? Logic is how do I think, yeah. right? And all of it ties together, you know, and then you've got different branches of philosophy, philosophy of science, philosophy of mind, philosophy of art, yeah. you know. I took a class called philosophy of language, and I, I ended that class feeling like I had no idea even how to talk anymore. Because, <laughs> like, what is a word? I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like astrophysics, right? It's just a branch of science. Yeah. Science is just the Latin word for knowledge, right? And so <laughs> philosophy is seeking, is the love of wisdom. They're asking questions for the sake of knowledge from which wisdom is derived. Yeah. And science is based upon certain fundamental philosophical principles that science itself cannot prove. It just, it assumes when you do science that the world is real. Right. That we're not living in a matrix like simulation or an illusion. You know, um, Hindu culture might refer to what we see as 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 Maya, which right. is kind of like it's not exactly what you think it is. It's not, you know, it's an yeah. illusion. Right. And, and again, I'm, I'm not doing a, any justice to that to that philosophical idea. Yeah. Uh, but you have two two sides of the coin. Yeah. Either what we see here is real or what we see here isn't as quite as tangible and real as we think it yeah. is. Right. If you go back to Raphael, the artist, not the ninja turtle, <laughs> if you go to Raphael's painting of Plato's uh, academy, in the center of the academy, you have two figures. You have the figure of Plato, who is gesturing toward the heavens, and you have the figure of Aristotle, who is gesturing toward the earth. And that represents, very simplistically, their competing ideologies, where Plato oh. was about you know, the forms. Right, so everything we see is a shadow or a, a blurred version of the true version of a thing. Yeah. Right, like this microphone that that looks like a little robot. <laughs> right, like I know that's a microphone partly because it says on the side microphone, but also because <laughs> I know the the design of a microphone. Right. Yeah. And if I can look at other microphones 
different shapes, different sizes, different colors, but I recognize them all to be microphones. How do I know that? Plato would say is because we understand innately the true form of microphone. Yeah. Where Aristotle would be like, well, they're just microphones. Like, it's just, here they are. You know, like you don't have to appeal to some higher esoteric, you know, spiritual or whatever form to understand reality. Just look at what's here. And so Aristotle, who's, who has been called the father of the sciences, uh, that's exactly what he did. You know, he did his own taxonomy and he did his own version of science. And in fact, the fact that our sciences have Greek names is a hat tip to Aristotle. You know, my favorite, meteorology, <laughs> right? Aristotle thought at the time, wrongly, of course, that weather was controlled by meteors. We don't believe that anymore. Yeah. But in in, om, in homage, yeah. the weathermen who usually get it wrong anyway, so they might as well be looking at yeah. meteors, are referred to as meteorologists, right? Yeah. So, you know, but biology, zoology, anthropology, all these have Greek names because of that genesis found in Aristotle. So, and that goes again to the, the conflict, I think. It, yeah. it relates a little bit to that conflict that we see in history of preconceived notion versus looking at the world. Yeah. So, not to oversimplify the distinction between Plato and Aristotle, <laughs> yeah. but again. <laughs> so, basically, what I'm understanding is philosophy is magical. It, <laughs> well, let's ask a philosophical question what is magic? Right. Yeah. Now I don't want to. I don't want to answer that. <laughs> yeah. Other than to say, historically, magic has either been seen as some kind of force, or simply a mystery that we don't yet understand. And that yeah. goes back to Thor. That goes back to Star Trek, where things that, to a more primitive mind, to a more primitive eye, are seen as mystical, but they actually have a very empirical and natural yeah. under you know explanation to them. Yeah. You know, the so, door isn't magic. There's electricity. It's a yeah. very natural force. It's yeah. not arcane arts making the door open in on the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. You know, or is it? Well, <laughs> we can debate that. Yeah. Are the doors in Star Trek magic? <laughs> it's a great podcast. <laughs> Where did this go? All right. <laughs> I'm trying to find in my notes all the magical powers from our upcoming little which wizard would win in a duel. <coughs> and the first thing that popped up was Death Curse, and I was like, well, I mean... That was the Avada Kedavra of... Well, it looks like it's a Harry Dresden ability uh -huh. where basically they take... They, they just, like, a last-ditch effort move. Like, I'm uh, my back's against the wall, right. or... If I don't do this, the world's going to – well, still your back's against the wall. If I don't do this, everyone's going to die. Right. They take – because I, I believe the Harry Dresden magic is very much centered in like a – you create the magic from your own being. It's not like you're pulling from Sounds like a motivational quote on Instagram. <laughs> you create the magic from within. Yeah. <laughs> and basically all it is is i'm going to give up my life to end yours like if this is going okay. down so your magic both. draws from your own kind of life essence or yeah. power and so okay so let's see death curses are incredibly powerful and he believes that if he were to use his own like life, his death curse, he would be able to, like, 
kill the people on Long Island. Like he would have that much specifically Long Island, or just is he from Long Island? I don't know. That (laughs) in my defense, I'm reading this on Wikipedia. Okay, so like I wonder if he's like I just really hate Long Island. Yeah, yeah, I could just if I wanted to, I could kill them all. (laughs) Like I like to think of it, it's like um, <laughs> Long Island too. <laughs> um, I like to think of it as uh, now I can't think of it. I'm a, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan, so right. like you have Chaozu and the Cybermen, and they were just like I'm gonna blow up. That's that's my defense. Or if you like Pokemon, self destruct. Sure. But he would be a human nuke basically. Like if he can blow up Long Island with just his physical magical abilities, right. That's like no, impressive. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and and when I put this when I put these two against each other, I was like, ah, oh, they're similar. One's a superhero. One's mm-hmm. a wizard who fights crime. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know too much about him. Right. Uh, when I watched the show, The Dresden Files, he looked. He was a private investigator wizard. Right. He was like, I don't really want to be a cop. I'm going to go solve crimes on my own and wizard people. Doctor Strange is very uh, if you take the movie aspect it's harnessing energies from other dimensions Yeah, which (coughs) I really not sure I get based on because what it looked like was just hand signs right and I I've done that I've watched a lot of Naruto like I've seen hand signs done and no one's able to shoot a fireball in real life or harness energy (coughs) energy from another dimension not that maybe they're just not doing it right yeah Maybe. So it almost sounds like, again, the Magic the Gathering player in me coming out, it sounds like he's drawing almost like mana from yeah. the realms yeah. rather than like specifically from land, but from like, you know, Dimension X and yeah. get some power, do some thing. Yeah. You know, does it, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but this might be something worth investigating. Uh, listeners of the podcast could even look this up too, because <laughs> I don't know. Um does his magic vary depending upon what dimension he would draw power from? Because um, in magic, depending on what realm the planeswalkers on, their magic, you know, like how the ley lines work, or yeah. you know, just where they are. Some planes are like stronger in one kind of mana than the others. Like Nissa would probably not do as well on Grixis yeah. as she would on, you know, <laughs> um, you know, Lorwyn, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's if that would relate to. So for Doctor Strange, what? If you take what um, – I'm taking this from the movies because I haven't read a lot of his comics, but everything seems to – from newer comics, not necessarily the original Doctor Strange. Right. But from where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now blended with modern comics. Right. Um, the Sorcerer Supreme before Doctor Strange harnessed energy from what they were calling the Dark Dimension to grant herself extended life. And we know it's been used to heal people of paralysis. Like you could harness this energy. If your legs didn't work, you could use it to make yourself walk again. Hmm. <coughs> Is there a side effect to the dark energy? Um, if, it seems like there's always use, a side effect to dark energy. Yeah, right? like if used in excess and uncontrolled, uh-huh. um, that's basically you become a slave to the villain of the movie Dormammu, who is like the being from the dark that is the dark dimension basically okay and the dark dimension or dramamu wants all dimensions to be the dark dimension oh that that, that kind of plot (laughs) and so 
um, now his name escapes me, but the human antagonist who, who's trying to bring Dormammu into our world, um, he ends up falling to that dark dimension energy. He's, but it's more of he accepts it instead of bending it to his will. He's just like, I'm going to bend to its will. So like, if you're strong enough and powerful enough, you can control it without side effect. But it, I, I think that comes down to how long, because one of my favorite scenes from that movie is spoiler alert. I don't know if you've seen it. Or I've seen it, but I don't remember any of it. Um, the, uh, Sorcerer Supreme, mm-hmm. she dies or is dying. Right. And she uses all of her magic power left to extend that moment of her final breath in an astral projection to make it last minutes. Like, my, it's a fun scene because they're standing in the rain and you can, like, see the rain slowly falling. Like, time didn't stop and you can see, like, a lightning bolt slowly right. take shape. Okay. And she's using that ability and she's like you know everything has its limits i'm going like there's nothing all of this power that i've had to extend my life this long is even this isn't going to be able to save me it's not going to make me live forever Hmm. i'm going to die and then she dies and it's iffy on whether or not you know, Dr. Stephen Strange harnesses the Dark Dimension's power or not. Right. We know he does use the Eye of Agamotto, which is my probably my favorite m- mystical item in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Because it allows you to manipulate time. Oh, right. And anytime you can manipulate time, you, you, risk, you risk a lot. But if you're in control of it, you're capable of a lot. Mm. <clears throat> like he ends up beating Dormammu because in that dimension time didn't exist he is eternal mm-hmm. but dr strange uses the eye of agamotto to create a time loop and introduces time to a dimension where that previously didn't have it mm-hmm. so Dormammu keeps killing him but it just creates a time loop of him coming back so in the in the show in the movie it lasts maybe two or three minutes right. but we don't know how long it actually went on for Dormammu, and it drove him basically insane because Doctor Strange was like, hey, I've come to bargain, take your people off the earth, and I'll release you from this right. loop of, you keep killing me, but I'm just going to keep coming back. We, <laughs> we can do this forever, forever, or you can leave. And I was like, that's a, to me, that's a very creative way to beat him, because you didn't win. Right. You, you succeeded, but you didn't win. Like, he's still there and could come back. Right. But... For the day, you won, you won the battle, maybe not the war. Right. We don't know. <laughs> right. Very cool. And so when I when I put these two against each other, I I knew that Harry Dresden had a lot of power. Right. Like, raw power. But how do you stop somebody who can blatantly time travel? Like, that is right. one of his go-to moves. And it's not just time travel. He can stop the world around him and continue to move. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unless like, unless uh, Dresden has a way of negating power. Yeah, uh, he's he's also a paladin and it's silence. That's <laughs> right. Well, I was thinking more blue mage uh, counterspell. Counterspell, okay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> both both are effective ways of stopping something you don't want done being done. That's true. <laughs> that is true. 
Um, I don't know. You know, my obviously not expert opinion. Um, I mean, I would have to go with uh, Doctor Strange on that for a head, yeah. head up, heads up battle, uh, just because of the manipulation of time. Yeah, and that's and that's where I ended up falling when I was looking at everything. Like, if he didn't have time on his side, I think it would be a really cool battle, mm-hmm. and it would just be explosion. I'm gonna right. transport us into this other dimension because he has that ability. He can just right. be like. There's a mirror dimension that looks exactly like ours, but you can bend to your will if you're skilled enough in magic. Sure. <coughs> What's interesting to me between these two characters is that from what – and again, I don't know anything about Harry Dresden. Uh, but what you've told me is that his power emanates from within. Yeah. Where Dr. Strange is, Strange is manipulating powers from without. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of your, your – if you're going to create a magic-based character, either he's manipulating or she is manipulating forces around – yeah. Him or herself, or drawing a power from within. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting distinction between the two. Yeah, and that that was another reason why I put them together. I I really w- wish that there was more literature mm-hmm. outside of reading the series of Dresden books because. Right. I started doing this like two weeks ago and reading an entire series of books. Right. Wasn't impossible, but, you know, I mm. have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doctor Strange, you know, I've, I've seen the movie. Not that I remember much of it. Um, which really frustrates uh, my girlfriend. Because <laughs> apparently she, according to her, my memory is terrible. But really, I guess it's only terrible about things that in the end I don't care about. Yeah. Or don't find interesting. <laughs> you know, like, I told you this last week. Yeah, but I didn't care, I guess. I mean, not so, like, you yeah, know, what's yeah. her birthday yeah. or, you know, does she have a disease? But, like, <laughs> you know, things like, I don't know. Like, I've got, I've got a hair appointment on Tuesday. Like, I don't I'm not going to remember that. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just not going to happen. Uh, but what I remember from the Doctor Strange movie, um, aside from, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's accent... Uh, being Americanized is that the Stephen Strange was a man of science, a man of medicine, yes. right? And then he he got into an accident, a car accident, yeah. messed him up. And uh, modern science, modern medicine has its limits, right? Yeah. So then he eventually started seeking out alternative means of yeah. of fixing himself, and that's how he got into the mystical side of things. Yeah. And, and what's interesting to me is that this. A lot of people in the world do this, right? Yeah. And there's a level of desperation or a level of what I don't know what motivates them. Yeah. I can understand. I've had medical conditions, nothing too serious, uh, but I've had enough experience in my life with physical pain that I too have thought, like, is there something beyond, you know, because there's nothing yeah. more frustrating than going to a doctor and the doctor says to you, I can't do anything more yeah. or I don't know what's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, isn't that your job? Like yeah. you're a doctor. Like, you're supposed <laughs> to, like it hurty right here. You point yeah. to the hurty spot and then the doctor is supposed to be like, okay, well let's put you in this machine. You know, Oh, well, the hurty is due to this. Yeah. And they're like, we don't know why the hurty. And they're like, but there's still the hurty. Right. Yeah. And like, why? So it the character to me is relatable in the sense of a lot of people do that. Yeah. I, it, I wonder, and, and I don't know, it's such a far fetched movie. That probably not, but I wonder if it helps confirm any kind of 
bias against modern medicine yeah. or against modern science. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with the band Insane Clown Posse. Yes. All right. I, um, I troll a lot. What? Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm not, I got nothing against Juggalos. I don't think they're gang members. I think they're fine. You know, like, yeah, and honestly, I don't like, think they're gang members. And I, I really have nothing against Insane Clown Posse. They're not necessarily the kind of music that I enjoy personally. Yeah. And I don't quite get their shtick, but like, whatever. I don't think they're <laughs> bad people. And I have talked to enough Juggalos to know that, you know, they've given money to charity and yeah. they, so they love their followers and their fans and so yeah. cool but they have a song called miracles right okay and i don't know if you've heard this song, yeah i have right? not it's it's a very well written song <laughs> um if i can be honest it's it's, okay. it's a it's poetry honestly but basically the song is about how everything around us is like a miracle it's magic and really it's just their way of hyperbolically saying like you should appreciate life and the world and like tall trees and stars and it's and the icp version of yolo kind of yeah it's <laughs> like you should just really appreciate this you know like you know my son was born it's, it's like a miracle you know and so there's a line in there that um is i think it's shaggy too too dope is that his name i can't remember um i'm surprised no you, don't, idea. you don't know this okay no, no. But i think it's shaggy i'll have to look it up shaggy too dope and I wish I could remember the other guy. Violent, violent, uh, violent J. It might be violent. Look it up. I'm going to look, I'm look it up right. while you're talking. So violent J, that's his name, is the bigger one, okay. right? And shaggy too dope is the skinnier one with the bald head. They have both had their face painted, faces painted. So he has a line in the song Miracles where he's like, you know, they're going through all this stuff about, like, all this stuff that's cool, right? You, you were right on the money. Really? Heck yeah, man. I should, <laughs> I should be a juggalo. I'm going to raise my hatchet up high. Um, there's a line in the song Miracles where he, you know, they're going through all this stuff that they think, oh, this is awesome and that's cool. And then he's like, Shaggy's like, effing magnets. How do they work? You know, like, I don't know. It's magic, you know? And then, he, and then the very next line he says, I don't want to talk to a scientist. Y'all MFers lying and getting me pissed. Like, that's literally the line, right? He's like, how do magnets work? No, I don't want to hear it from a scientist. Well, then where are you going to find this information about magnets? But really, I think, as he was writing that that dope lyric, um, he was really saying, like, Mag magnets, man. Like, it's just, it's a mystery. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. Like, things stick to it, and it moves yeah. stuff, and it's like the force, the yeah. metal form, you know, or yeah. whatever. But, like, yeah, there is an explanation for magnetism, right? <laughs> like, it's not it's not magic, but, you know, but that's, that, that song, not just ICP, not just that song, but that, that line represents a lot of the mistrust that people have for science, yeah. right? Um you know, like oh, big pharma and whatever, and then there's there's <laughs> there's things that can be said on either side of the debate. Yeah. Some it's again, it's not as this discussion is not as simple as people on either side want it to seem, but there is this mistrust of science. And so, what I find ironic is how they people who have such a distrust of science and modern, you know, modern medicine and all this stuff, um, rely on it so much to get their message out, yeah. right? Um, like they get on the internet which was made because of our advances in science. Yeah. And they get on social media made again through our advances <laughs> in science. And they talk about how science is bad or how it's, you know, doesn't have all the answers. And no scientist out there is saying that science has all the answers. Yeah. That's not, 
we're you know. looking for the answers. Yeah, it's like, we're looking for the answers, you know. It's, it's the other side of the coin who says, we've got all the answers. Yeah. And we're like, I don't know if you do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're not saying you don't. We're saying we're gonna go out and yeah. try and prove whether right. or not you do. <laughs> so this tangent, going back to Doctor yeah. Strange, yeah. is one of those cases where like modern science, modern medicine was at its limit with him, right? Yeah. That's gonna happen, you know. Yeah. Like, I lost my arm in an accident. I can't just grow another one. And, and as much as I love Star Wars, cybernetic technology is not where it's supposed to be yet. Not for us. Yeah. Um, could be better. Could be better. It was way better a long time ago in a galaxy yeah. far away. Um, but Doctor Strange departs from modern medicine, modern science, and goes to more mystical means to try to fix himself. And eventually, in the process, becomes a superhero who wields magic. Yeah. Which would be awesome. But... It's not reality, which I never, no one's ever saying, you know, Doctor yeah. Strange, I think, is a documentary on what really happened. But <laughs> there are people who, here? there are people who I think, my point, one of my points as I'm rambling, is that there are people out there who see the limitations currently of modern medicine, modern science, and the fact that we're not immortal and we can't fix everything. And maybe out of desperation, out of wishful thinking, they seek out other means of, of help or comfort or, yeah. or another solution. And again, that's a that opens up an entirely yeah. different conversation. <laughs> yeah. But Doctor Strange is kind of a comic book symbol of that. Yeah. But for him, it worked, right? Yeah. Um, it's all well and good if it works. <laughs> I guess. But. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, from from what I've gathered, uh, we can let the listeners decide. They have they know about. If, if you're actually listening, you've probably looked at the Facebook page already, and uh, you can shoot us an email. I need to... What's our email address? Uh, Wizards and Wisdom at Gmail. Very cool. No, Wizards... Wizards? Wizards and Wisdom and Podcast. Wisdom. Okay. A-N-D, Wizards, A-N-D, and Wisdom, no spaces, no dots, no dashes. Nope. At gmail.com. Yep. Okay. Uh, and they can be like, hey, you guys are dumb. Doctor Strange would never win that fight because Harry Crimson <laughs> has this obscure like, power. Of all the things that we've talked about so far, <laughs> we're going to get criticism on who would win in the yeah. fight between Doctor Strange well, that, and Harry that, well, that, You're an that's, idiot. That, well, that, well, that's the problem. We've picked a side. I know, and, I know. and everyone else, we were just kind of talking I, about well, and that. Okay, going back to the, the, <laughs> to the, the pit fight between Harry Dresden <laughs> – and Doctor Strange, which by the way, Arcanus the Omnipotent was a pit fighter. Well, we'll, we'll get getting there. there. We're, we're getting there. Not that you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, if if anyone has, because again, I have limited knowledge of Doctor Strange, and I have no knowledge of Harry Dresden other than what I'm hearing from Joe here. So, if you, dear listener, have a, a contrary opinion with sound, logical <laughs> argumentation to back it up, we want to hear it. Yes, we most really definitely. do. Right, because the pursuit of knowledge has to come with admitting that one could be wrong. And if I don't have the willingness to change my mind or the willingness to be corrected when presented with a better argument or better evidence, then I have no business calling myself a philosopher or a seeker of truth or, in our very generic term, a wizard. Yes. So, soapbox. <laughs> soapbox? All right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so... I think I think where you what you, your favorite part oh, yeah. of, of this, this. Of not that you this will tell. be. <laughs> I've been trying to keep it in. We're gonna my, my excitement. <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about oh, what is what is his name? I don't know. It's just some blue mage. Uh, <laughs> some mage. Some wizard. Uh, Arcanus the Omnipotent, which is such a name. What yes. a name. 
It, it's very it, boastful. So let me let me back up real quick. Um, I've been playing Magic: The Gathering, which is a trading card game, uh, in, in, created by Richard Garfield. Uh, it was created in 1993. I started playing the game in college in uh, near the fall of 1994, and I was the last person in my dorm of gamers who got into Magic. So I would we would all role playing dorms, Dungeon Dragons, <coughs> or some White Wolf game, or something like that, or some obscure role playing game. Um, but then all my friends started playing Magic, and I started seeing these cards, and I was like, what is this? And like, it's Magic. You should play. You'd love it. I'm like, no, no, no. If I start playing Magic, then I'll get addicted. <laughs> I'll never stop. And that was... That's the case with most people. Yeah. Though, I think. How many years ago was that? <laughs> so I'm still playing now. <coughs> 24. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> math is hard. But... It's my age. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So young. Um, so naive now. <laughs> so I, I'm a longtime Magic player, and... The first deck I built was a white and blue deck, and I loved As Sarah Angel, and I loved the card Counterspell. And so I loved just, you know, Douglas Schuler's artwork for Sarah Angel is iconic, and I just, I love it, and I still love it. And Counterspell is still one of my favorite cards ever. You know, you pay all this mana for something, and I just tap two islands and tell you no. <laughs> like, I just love it. Yeah, I made so, you have a sad day. <laughs> yeah. So around 2008... I got into EDH, Elder Dragon Highlander, which is a, a variant of magic that involves having a general, or late now it's known as a commander, uh, and you build your deck kind of around this commander, which is a legendary creature for the most part. Uh, first deck I ever built was uh, Arcanus the Omnipotent, this mono-blue permission deck, counter spells and card draw, and and I had a couple you know combos in there and some other weird tricks in there, but it was really based around Arcanus. So... Yeah. Arcanus the Omnipotent, his main ability is you tap him and draw three cards. Okay, I'm not going to go into details about how Magic the Gathering works. <laughs> Just know that drawing cards is some of the best things you could ever do <laughs> in any card game. All right, card advantage in just about any card game is is king. Okay, um, so you tap Arcanus, he, you draw three cards. Right, he's got other ability, but like that's the one that matters. Right, yeah. so if you find a way to keep untapping him, keep drawing cards, and in my commander deck. My EDH deck. I've got ways to just keep on tapping and drawing yeah. cards, and eventually drawing my whole deck and just winning the game because I have every card in my hand. Yeah. So uh, I should have an answer to any situation. Um, Arcanus has always been, from the time that he came out in Onslaught, he has been uh, Onslaught as a set. Magic comes out in sets. I don't know why I'm explaining this. If you don't know magic, you're not going to get this. So, but anyway, a long time ago, Arcanus the Omnipotent was a card that came out in this set. And Arcanus has not a whole lot of history to him. Uh, his art is he's depicted in a, in a cloak, in a hood. You can't really see his face. Uh, there's maybe some glowing eyes, uh, kind of like the Jawas in, in um, Star Wars, but way cooler looking. Yeah. Um, he's got like these flowing robes, and he's very wizard looking because he's a wizard, and very mysterious because he is, and magic <laughs> flowing from his garments. Uh, what is he doing? I don't know. Just, he's doing magic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing about Arcanus is that you don't know much about Arcanus. There's there's an article on, on uh, Magic the Gathering's Mothership website uh, from a while back that, you know, we're not even sure of Arcanus's gender. You know, traditionally, 
they've used male pronouns to describe Arcanus. They've referred to him as a he. Uh, in the old, uh, I think it was PlayStation game, uh, Battlegrounds or Battlefields, hmm. uh, which is a game I used to play all the time. <laughs> it's totally, it's not a card game version, but you're basically dueling with other mages, and Arcanus is a character in the game. Okay. And so, like, playing Counterspell as Arcanus was kind of cool. <laughs> um, but he was definitely portrayed as typically male, you yeah. know. You know, counterspell, you know, very, you know. But we don't really know much about him, you know, Arcanus, <coughs> which has to be a, a pseudonym. It can't be yeah. his real name. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it is. Who knows? It's the world of magic. But, like, Arcanus, the omnipotent, right? Yeah. It's like Arcanus from Arcane, which is yeah. what they said on the mothership as well, which Arcane means mysterious, secret, obscure, you know, from the Latin word, you know, Arcanus, basically. Yeah. Um, spelled slightly different, but uh, the, the Latin word means secret. And to me, I think that's one of Arcanus's greatest powers is that you don't know. We, you know, going back to him on Gandalf, right? It's like yeah. there's something mysterious about this wizard. Like he doesn't seem like he's all that much, but yeah. at the same time, there's something about him that you're like, <laughs> I don't think I want to mess with you. Yeah, right? I'm not gonna fight him because <laughs> um, he has shown these things. Like I, you know, yeah. not everybody can stand up to like a Balrog, right? Yeah. And Gandalf's like, no. <laughs> you know, um, I'm gonna tell him he can't pass. Yeah, he can't go by me. You know, the, the word arcanum, or plural arcana, is a, a special secret knowledge. And so when it comes to Arcanus the Omnipotent, uh, I think that's his greatest strength, if you look at him as a character, is that there's not a whole lot known about him. And as much as I love the character, and as much as there's a part of me that would love to see him developed more in magic lore and in the storyline... I kind of hope they never do. Yeah. Like, I really don't want them to, like, last Jedi Arcanus. Mm -hmm. And, like, turns out he's, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. He's really <laughs> three three halflings in a club. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. Like, you know, Let's go. They found our secret. Like, uh, no, I don't want none of that. So just leave him alone. You know, don't open up the J.J. Abrams mystery box. Just leave it closed. I like it that way. <laughs> right? But what do we know about Arcanus? Right? Well, he has... Two flavor texts on his two his you know various printings they've yeah. had two flavor texts for him and both of them are uh, one's a quote directly from him and another one is a quote about him and then there's a third quote which is kind of obscure because you you really don't you, you can't find it everywhere okay all right I don't so, think I've, I don't know if I've seen that one all right. Right. you probably haven't all right I know this because I'm a I'm a huge Arcanus fan right I'm I'm a total stan for Arcanus right so um, let me, let me just talk about his background, what we do know. Uh, in Otaria, 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 uh, there was a, the Grand Coliseum, and it was run by the Cabal, who are these black aligned dudes or peoples, right? Yeah. And so they ran this pit fighting, which is like the Coliseum. Yeah. And so you had like gladiator style pit fighting. And so when Arcanus was first printed, there were other pit fighters that were printed with him, one of each color. Yeah. Uh, you had Visara the Dreadful, uh, Jareth Lane and Titan, uh, Rorik's Bladewing, and the green one I can't remember. Um, it blanks. Anyway. Silvos? Sil yeah, Silvos. He's like an 8-5 that regenerates. Yeah. Right? And they were all like very <coughs> color intensive in their mana cost. Like yeah. Arcanus is 3 and 3 blue. And Rorix is, I think, three and three red, and Jareth is like they all have like triple their color. Yeah, I, I'm almost certain that they're all three and three. That's probably true. Um, they have varying power and toughness. Yeah. Um, so uh, he's a pit fighter, 
You know, and so when we talked about uh, Miss Ray, the warlock with a shotgun, that made me think about Arcanus because, yes, he's probably using his magic. Clearly, he's using his magic in his fights, but he is in a coliseum and he's dealing with some bad people, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's in fights, yeah. right? And what I like about Arcanus is that he is his power and toughness is 3-4, which isn't the biggest by any means, especially for a six-mana card. Yeah. But when you look at other wizards... He's probably the beefiest wizard around, yeah, right? Some of them are just like yeah. zero one, zero two. Yeah, like Azami is a zero two, and um, Airtai is a one one. Uh, prodigal source, uh, uh, void mage prodigy or prodigal whatever. Yeah. Kai Buddha's uh, invitational card. Okay. He's a two one. The one with the bad art, and then they okay. gave him new art, and that was also bad. Uh, <laughs> he's a two one, but Arcanus is a three four. Which again, it's not the same as like you can get a lot more for six mana yeah. in terms of power and toughness. But three four is fairly respectable. He doesn't just eat a lightning bolt. Yeah. Uh, he can kill a lot of things just in a fist fight. Yeah. You know, in just straight up combat. Um, I have attacked with Arcanus a few times. You play the deck enough, you do everything. Yeah. Um, normally, I don't attack with him, but I mean, he is kind of scrappy, yeah. you know. So he's got a decent body, considering, yeah. you know, he's a wizard. You know, he's not like, you know, warrior assassin or yeah. you know, he's like wizard. <laughs> like, wow, that's a pretty beefy wizard, right? And so, I want to talk about his uh, his tenth ed flavor text first. Okay. It's a quote from him. It says, Do not concern yourself with my origin, my race, or my ancestry. Seek my record in the pits and then make your wager. Right? So, again, he's a pit fighter. People go to the Coliseum. They watch these fighters fight. Right? Um, so, Arcanus being, like, super, super dope. Right? He's yeah. just, like, you know, super, like, just straight gangster. Right? <laughs> he's like, look, you don't need to know anything about me other than what I've done in the ring. Yeah. Right? Like, if he was, like, in the UFC, he'd be like, you don't need to know anything about my style, about my training, about where I've been. Just look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers. <laughs> like, numbers don't lie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's that's kind of cool, right? Because as mysterious as he is, he's always pointing to, in this flavor text, he points to the thing that matters most, that's tangible, that's empirical, yeah. right? It's like, you can't argue with these numbers, man. Look at my stats. Look at my yeah. record. You can't argue with that, right? Yeah. He'd make a he'd make a really cool WWE guy, right? <laughs> Get him on the mic, and he's just like, you know, check out my record, you know, <laughs> you know, do some blue magic out of yeah. his robes. But, so, like, that, you know, I love that. And my Arcanus is a foil 10th edition Arcanus as my commander. And so I love that flavor text. So his original flavor text, that's not what it was, though, right? Yeah. Uh, in Onslaught, his, his flavor text was, He has journeyed where none have been before. Now he returns to ensure that none follow. Which, when the character was created, they weren't intending on making him with this giant, like, you know, here's a big story. Like He's not Jace Bellroom. He's yeah. not, you know... Um, he's not a main character. He's just kind yeah. of a like, well, we need a legendary creature. Right, here we go. Right? It's just sort of like a side character, you know, a peripheral character in the story yeah. of, of the Cabal and the Pit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but his flavor text is, this flavor text is interesting to me because it, it reinforces his mystery. Yeah. Right? Like, he's gone somewhere that nobody's gone before. Like, where's he that's going? That is ominous. You know? That's <laughs> ominous. Right. Like, has he been to the Dark Realm? Yeah. You know? Has he been to, you know, Asgard? Like, where's he yeah. been? Right? <laughs> And so, like, he's never had a Planeswalker card, but it feels like if any creature in the game would be a Planeswalker, like, he would be, yeah. right? Like, how could he not have been to other planes of existence, just yeah. on that flavor text alone, yeah. right? 
and he calls himself Arcanus the Omnipotent, right? Now, if I don't, this is, we're going back a ways. Let me refer to WWE again, <laughs> back when it was WWF, okay. before the pandas took it away from them, right? Um, I don't know if you know that story. I, I so don't. the World Wildlife Federation sued the WWF, oh. the World Wrestling Federation. They're like, hey, that's us. You can't take it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, fine. So WWF became WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. But back in the old days when the E was an F, <laughs> there was Kurt Hennig, who was known as Mr. Perfect. Okay. Right? Like his name is Mr. Perfect. <laughs> so that's like a, that's a big thing to live up to. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, his whole shtick, his whole storyline was that he had an undefeated record. And it wasn't until I believe it was Hulk Hogan, I think, finally beat him, right? But even then, he was still Mr. Perfect for a long time because, yeah. I mean, one loss after all those wins doesn't mean you're yeah. not still pretty dope. Um, but his his gimmick for the longest... new name. Yeah. Mr. Pretty Dope. <laughs> Mr. Pretty Good. Mr. Almost Perfect. Yeah. Every time he loses, he's got to change it a little bit. <laughs> Mr. Not Bad. Mr. Should Have Retired Three Matches Ago. Like, okay. But I mean, like, that was his gimmick, right? Like, I'm undefeated. I am... Perfect, right? So here you have Arcanus the Omnipotent, right? Yeah. Which, as we know, means all-powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, you know, Mystery Mick Almighty is like basically his <laughs> name, right? And he's a pit fighter, and he says, look at my record, right? There's a reason they call me the Omnipotent. It's yeah. not because of, you know, I was the son of Bob and Jane Omnipotent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like the flavor text about where he's been – we don't know where he's been, but he wants to make sure no one else goes there. Like he's been somewhere that like he likes it or he's gotten something from this place and he doesn't want anyone else to get it. Yeah. Um, might be what made him omnipotent, right? Yeah. Uh, and then his second one, I think, is just is my favorite by far because he's like, you don't need to know about me. <laughs> yeah. All you need to know is what happens inside that yeah. inside that pit, right? Like that's just hardcore, right? Yeah. <laughs> And not something that necessarily comes from a blue mage, right? Yeah. Blue blue mages can be arrogant, like if you yeah. call that a spell, right? Like yeah. like look at all the flavor texts on counter spells throughout yeah. history. You're like, oh, it was probably a lousy spell anyway. There's nothing you can do that I can't simply deny, blah yeah. blah. And Arcanus is like, look at my record. I will beat your, you know, yeah. like, like that's that's our, like that that sounds like a red black kind of yeah. mage. That's like, Arcanus, <laughs> right? Model blue. So. Yeah, so like, I like him because he is kind of like that warlock with a shotgun, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a wizard. I got things you don't even understand. You can't comprehend. You know, like, yeah. He's all John Cena. You <laughs> yeah, can't can see, see me, yeah. right? That's yeah. and just, you guys can't see it. We both did the hand thing yeah. in front of the face. All right. So his third flavor text is another direct quote. And it's on the card Robe of Mirrors, also from 10th edition. Okay. Now, here's the cool thing about it. If you pull up on Gatherer. All right. I'm gonna, all right. I'm if you go ahead and pull it up. You will see the card, Robe of Mirrors, and you'll look at the writing, the like the words on the side. They have like the stats and the flavor text and the, the errata and all that kind of stuff, the artist, and you'll see flavor text from Arcanus. But you won't see the flavor text on the card. That's true. All right. Now, here's the thing. What you do see on that card, though, is reminder text, which happens in the parentheses, Right. So like it gives you the reminder text for what enchant creature means. You know, mm -hmm. target a creature as you play this. This card comes into play attached to that creature, right? And then it says enchanted creature has shroud. That's what Robomirs does. Enchanted creature gives a shroud. And then the, the reminder text says it can't be the target of spells or abilities. That's what shroud means, right? Now they did something special only in 10th edition with foils. The foils of 10th edition have no reminder text. 
It only has the text. And on many of them, replacing reminder text is flavor text. Okay, that's right. So the foil robe of mirrors from 10th edition has flavor text from Arcanus the Omnipotent, but only on the foil. Now, the other one that's even more significant than that is the card Time Stop. Six mana, blue instant, and the turn, right? The, Great card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the foil from Kamigawa, at least when I last looked at it, was somewhere in the $20, $30 range, I think. Um, the foil from 10th edition is like $80, at least last I looked. There's a big discrepancy. And the reason why is because the foil from 10th edition is very clean. It just says, end the turn. That's it. Where the one from Kamigawa, and if you look at the non-foil 10th edition, it has all the reminder text. Like, what does end the turn mean? What do I do when I end the turn? Right? So I kind of like, if I can digress for a little bit, not that we ever go on tangents, <laughs> I like the reminder text from Time Stop because it references the stack, which is something that is very rarely referenced in card form in Magic. Yeah. So I like that. But I can understand why people would just love it very clean, three word, three words, and the turn. That's it. Yeah. Right? So that's just something they, they only did with 10th edition for whatever reason. Probably because it was like the 10th you know, core set, and they had the mm -hmm. X for 10, and they want to do something a little special. So on Robe of Mirrors, regular version, no flavor text, reminder text. On the foil version of Robe of Mirrors, you have this flavor text, which is a quote from Arcanus. And Arcanus is saying here, flavor text number three, some say you cannot hit what you cannot see. I prefer that you hit what I want you to see. Right? So that's, now we're that's very blue. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's like misdirection. And it's it's you know, and you've 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 been in my martial arts class. Yeah. So you understand the idea of misdirection, of faking, fainting, of just when we do a little bit of our Muay Thai, how like I would I really want you to look one way while I go the other way, yeah. right? Um, like whether we're talking about like the rope-a-dope or uh, what they call uh, the Kansas City shuffle, <laughs> you know, make them look left while you go right. Like that's, you know, a very classic strategy fighting tactic, right? Mm. You know, it's very, very Art of War-esque yeah. where you're like, I want you to look this way while I go this way. I want you to think about this while I really do that. You know, it's, it's the art of prestidigitation, but in combat form, right? Yeah. And so here we have a, a very brief look at Arcanus's fighting style, right? Now, we know blue is all about illusions, but I think it's not... With Arcanus, I prefer... Again, this is kind of my own headcanon. Yeah. I prefer to think of it not so much as, well, he's just casting illusions, as he's just straight-up Jedi mind-tricking you, with yeah. and without magic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's playing with your mind because he's a superior intellect, and because he's a superior wizard. Yeah. You know? And so, like, he's making you look one way. He's making you hit in a direction where yeah. he's not, you know. He's and, making you hit your buddy who's trying to beat him up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so it's it's just this I see, you know, yeah, he's a 3-4, which is beefy for, you know, in comparison to a lot of creatures. But it's not only his physical prowess. It's his mental prowess. It's his attitude on top of his magical ability. Yeah. And... I just love that little bit of magic trivia with the 10th edition foils. Yeah, that's really you know, neat. Yeah, and it's like there's a hidden Arcanus the Omnipotent quote, which is so fitting for the character. And and thinking about the character, thinking about the card, you know, moving from the character, uh, kind of the philosophy of the character and, and what the because the character honestly wasn't, it's 
he's kind of the Boba Fett of magic in a way, because he yeah. wasn't given a whole lot of screen time, quote-unquote. Yeah. Uh, they're probably not going to do much with him in the future. They've reprinted him a couple times. He was the face of one half of the, the speed versus cunning Coming, yeah. uh, decks, where Zergo was the other half. Um, which was an Arcanist, but... Huh? I said my money would be on Arcanus. Yeah, mine too, for sure. <laughs> but um, but again, I'm biased. Um, <laughs> but yeah, which was kind of an odd choice because he wasn't on Tarkir. But I mean, it wasn't really like this is a Tarkir thing. Yeah. It was just here's two philosophical differences in combat one yeah. against each other. Um, but even that gives you an idea. Arcanus is about cunning. Arcanus is about strategy. So there's various, there's all kinds of different different forms of magic. Yeah. Arcanus is all about the mind about resources about uh options right and that's what really when you tap him and draw three cards go back to the very first cycle in magic's history a cycle of cards the alpha cycle you had lightning bolt you had dark ritual giant growth um the white one which is really uh healing salve and ancestral recall and of those five one of them is vastly different than the other <laughs> four right so you have giant growth, which could be a, a stand. And there's been giant growth variations in yeah. you know functional reprints and other versions of it down the pike that I've seen play in standard, sometimes modern, not so much in legacy, but it is a good card, yeah. right? It's a solid card. Um, you have lightning bolt, which is versatile and has seen multi-format play and, and is a powerhouse card yeah. uh, because of its versatility. Uh, which interestingly enough, if Arcanus wasn't blue, I think he'd be red because Arcanus is about options. Yeah. And if you look at a simple card like Lightning Bolt, you see a bunch of options. Hits yeah. a Planeswalker, Planeswalker hits a player, hits a creature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it might be relevant to even hit yourself. Yeah. Right? If you see a Death Shadow deck in Modern and people Lightning Bolt themselves, like, I'm going to burn myself in the face and then kill you with this giant creature. <laughs> it's like, that seems so wrong. <laughs> but, you know, you, you think outside the box a little yeah. bit, right? So then you have Dark Ritual, which is that quick mana boost. Which isn't really a black thing so much anymore, as it is kind of a quick mana is more of a red thing. Yeah. Um, quick, like instantaneous mana, yeah. right? As opposed to more permanent sources of mana, which come from green. I'm sorry if you have no idea what magic <laughs> is. Um, you probably turned the podcast off by now, but that's okay. <laughs> so if you're still listening, right on. Um, but then you have Ancestral Recall, one blue, and these were all instants, right? Yeah. These were all or, or interrupts, or whatever, but. You had ancestral, I think it was instance, I don't know. You had ancestral recall for one blue mana at lightning speed, draw three cards, right? Healing salve, no one plays that ever. <laughs> um, gain three life or prevent three damage. Like, ooh. Yeah. Right? So there's a theme, right? Th of threes. Yeah. Right? So three damage, three life, three mana, three power toughness, yeah. and three cards. Of those, <laughs> there's one. That only sees play in Vintage, and only as a one-of because it's restricted because of its power level. It's in what they call the Power 9, and that's the ability to draw three cards. Now, other cards draw three cards. Jace's Ingenuity, mm -hmm. um, there's other, like, there's uh, Concentrate as a four-mana sorcery that draws three cards. So it's it's not so much the drawing of three cards, mm -hmm. it's the fact you can do it for so cheap, yeah. right? Arcanus is a six-mana investment, sure. But it's repeatable. So yeah. if you get Arcanus to survive, put a Lightning Greaves on him or whatever, protect him with counter magic in some way, once you get him to untap, that's repeatable, not just Ancestral Recall, but it's just like three free cards. So the options there are so 
vast. And that's the cunning of Arcanus, right? It's we talk about Batman's utility belt, yeah. right? Like Arcanus's ability is like the Batman's utility belt of magic because you're digging into your deck for more yeah. spells, more options, more cards. And that's part of the mystery. Like, what does he do? Like, he has a bounce ability where he can return himself to yeah. your hand. I mean, that's fine. Sometimes relevant. But, like, his real ability is tap it, draw three cards, right? So, like, what is his ability? Well, it's what cards did you draw? So that's, that's your ability. That's, that's your ability. That's part of the mystery. <laughs> yeah. How did you build your deck, right? You know, what did you do that can enhance his own ability? You know, like, I can imagine Arcanus tapping into other forces to increase his own ability, you know? Yeah. Which is just like drawing a card like Freed from the Real or Pemanzora that allows him to untap. Yeah. Or the most common combo, um, Mind Over Matter, which is a very Arcanist kind of card, right? Yeah. Six mana, blue enchantment, you discard a card to untap a creature, a land, or something else. And so with Arcanist, you get to draw your whole deck, untap all your lands, get as much mana as you want, play whatever you want. Right? That's where Arcanus, Mind Over Matter plus Arcanus, truly makes him omnipotent. Yeah. You know, once those two cards are in play, there's really not much people can do. Yeah. You know, like, he's going to go off. Right? Most definitely. Yeah. So, and that combo, I don't play combos in Commander very often, but Arcanus is one of my more competitive decks. Yeah. And that that combo is in there. Why not? You know? Yeah. I mean, if you're playing competitive, you're playing to win. Right. So, this is why I don't always play Arcanus, because it is a more competitive deck, yeah. and sometimes I want to give people at the other table a chance to do stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So, yeah. So, because of the mystery, because of just how cool the character has been, uh, because of these little, you know, and I've been fascinated by the number three, not, not for any mystical reason, but just, like, kind of conceptually, like, I'm yeah. born on the third, um, I have three kids, you know, like... Three has been a big number in my life for a lot of reasons, yeah. and so Arcanus is, has a personal connection to me, which has no real relevance anywhere else, but the fact that he draws three cards, he has three blue mana symbols, he has a three power, the fact that he's kind of, I want to say immune to three, yeah. because like Bile Blight, Lightning Bolt, it doesn't kill him, Yeah. right? Like you got to hit him for four damage, yeah. you got to go beyond three, <laughs> like, like he's the master of three, right? Yeah. So, and there is something mystical about three in terms of concept right uh you know like the the ancient trinity mind body spirit yeah. you know like so many things come in threes you know even even in martial arts you know like jujitsu often uses the triangle as its symbol and uh in other martial arts triangles have become uh, a symbol for different elements yeah of, of martial arts you know training or lifestyle or or mentality and so that part relates to me very well also. That, that's all personal. has nothing to do with the card itself. Yeah. My own personal attachment yeah. to Arcanus. Makes sense. Um, I did run a one of Arcanus the Omnipotent when it was standard legal when 10th edition was out. And so you had like Time Spiral Block and Ravnica and stuff like that. And so I ran him in a deck with Eon Chronicler, which is a card whose power and toughness is equal to the number of cards in your hand. And you can suspend it for a ton of mana and draw yeah. a card, whatever. But essentially, his power toughness equal to cards in hand. I also had Loxodon Warhammer, which gives plus three, plus zero, Trample, and Lifelink. Yes. And so I had an Eon Chronicler, Arcanus, and it wasn't the best deck ever, but I won more than I lost by, by far. <laughs> 
And so it was un- not uncommon for me to swing with like a 15, four, like a 15, 12 yeah. Eon Chronicler because I just keep just throwing <laughs> cards in my hand with Arcanus. Um, that was a good time. But the funny thing about Arcanus in Standard when I played it was that it was only a one of. And usually there was another card in Standard called Char. Deals four damage to target creature and player and two damage to the controller, right? To you. Yeah. Uh, functional reprint of Psionic Blast, which was originally a blue card until someone was like, why does blue get direct damage? Make it red. So basically Char is the red version of Psionic Blast. Yeah. Um, so, which is, again, if Arcanus wasn't blue, I think he'd be red. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, at the game store, we got into the habit of referring to Arcanus as Char Canis. Because, like, game after game, for the longest time, I would drop Arcanus, and he would just eat a char, yeah. right? <laughs> so, was that the guy doing anything? That's, that was a funny little <laughs> memory. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. A handful of cards that can immediately get rid of him, and yeah, it was utilized against you. Yeah, and when char <laughs> was a popular card in the metagame at that time in Standard, so it makes sense that Arcanus would get hit by char a lot. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's my that's my guy, man. That's, you know, <laughs> it's... That's Arcanus. Yeah, I, I'm a fan. I would if I if I had to pick a color in Magic, it would be a, a very a blue or some variant thereof. Yeah, a blue with any other color. Because I think my very first Commander deck was blue black. I like to mill libraries away, which is basically you don't get to draw cards. I just put them right in your graveyard. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. For those that don't don't know. Uh, so I think we're approaching the end here. Do we know who we want our subject matter to be for the next podcast? Well, we could always have uh, listener submissions. Is there yeah, anybody that always. Would, you know, always. If, if if you have someone that you want us to talk about, then feel free to post it on Facebook page or email us at uh, wizardsandwisdom at gmail.com. Uh, there's a few people that I, I had in mind. Um, we talked about a few of them. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about Gandalf when we talked about Radagast. Yeah. There might be more that could be said, but not by yeah. me because that's about the extent of my knowledge. Yeah, of I was just saying um, Gandalf would be uh, way later yeah. if I was I would love to talk it. about – personally, I would love to at some point talk about Charles Darwin. Yeah. Uh, I would like to talk about some of the ancient – Greek philosophers, um, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. We touched on them briefly as well. Um, In terms of the fictional side, uh, you know, there's other magic characters that I would like to touch on as well. Um, I figured we would have, like, uh, our final thoughts, because we both play magic quite a bit, that our our closer would be we'd pick a card, and then we would be like, what do we know, what do we love about the card? (laughs) I like that. Well, how about you pick the magic card next time? Okay. Because I got to start off with with my favorite, so I can um, do that. And again, we're using wizard in a very loose term. Yes. It's not like we're only yeah. picking wizards. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that sounds fun. So yeah, again, if if anyone out there has a suggestion, then uh, send it our way. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, we'd love to know what you want us to talk about. And uh, until next time. Yeah. Uh, I'm Bud. I'm Joe. And uh, that's been Wizards and Wisdom. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Hopefully we will get the next one out soon. Peace.